I was sitting in my conservatory uh, some weeks ago, and uh, I was praying, and I was saying, Lord, I just want to love you more. I want to know your love. I want to share your love. And uh, all of a sudden, a thought came into my mind. Serve someone you find difficult to love. And I thought, wow, that's what, who don't I love? Who, do, who am I finding difficult? Who's, who's a challenge to love at the moment? And into my head popped the thought, the students next door. <laughs> well, what had happened is that during the first lockdown, during the summer months and uh, you know before that, it had been incredibly quiet because the students had gone home. And now they'd arrived back with all their cars on the drive and the parties began and the nights were long and the noise was loud. On a couple of occasions, John and I had found ourselves at 4.30 in the morning having to stand our, our, our window up above looking down to see what was going on. On one night, there was a fight broke out. There was someone with a bleeding nose. And, you know, we were quite concerned how we were going to make it through this term uh, if we weren't going to be able to sleep. And so, rather begrudgingly, I set out to the supermarket to fill a bag full of goodies. And just before I took it round to them to give them to them as a welcome gift, uh, John and I wrote a note. And we wrote in the note, uh, Dear students, this must be a very difficult time for you with all the uncertainty and away from your families. If you need any help whatsoever, this is our phone number. Uh, we're at number 98. You only have to knock. Blessings, God bless you, John and Debbie. And you know, it was so interesting because in that moment as we were writing the note, it was like a seed was born in our hearts and we just felt love and we felt we wanted to protect them and be there for them. It was an amazing thing. We felt love grow. And I remember saying, Lord, why would you have asked me to do that? And I felt the Lord say, selfless kindness is rooting you into God's love. And as you know, we're in the midst of a series on rootfulness. And today we're going to be looking at being rooted in love. What is love? What love is? And, and how to be rooted into it? What, what does it look like? And um, I just remember a scene when Susie, Nicola, and I were in Israel in January. And um, when we went around Israel, we saw acacia trees. Now, at one point, we were out in the desert, and it was amazing to see the acacia trees, sometimes growing in complete um, solitary places, just on their own, just growing. And um, we, we began to sort of talk to the guide about you know, these acacia trees, and he explained that the acacia trees um, actually have very long, deep roots. And it turns out, as I researched the acacia tree, that it flourishes most, it, it grows most in the harshest of weather, the desert, heat, sun, that's when it grows. And basically what it does is the roots go right deep down into the aquifers that have um, reservoirs of water that have built up through the winter months when the rain is there, they, they, they fill up and then the acacia tree goes right down tens, sometimes 20 meters below the surface, much taller, much longer than it's the height of the actual acacia tree. So it, it then drinks up this water that sustains it and allows it to thrive in the worst of situations. What is this love? Well, the Bible talks about many different kinds of love. There's storge love, which is the love we would have for children or the vulnerable, the elderly. It's empathy love. It's protective love. And, um, you know, when you don't have this love as a child, you, you can suffer greatly. And we see children sometimes uh, who are being fostered. I know friends who've, who've fostered children who have um, suffered through lack of this protective love. And they show that in all sorts of behavioral ways. 
And then there's philia love, which is friendship love. You know, friends you can laugh with and cry with, friends that you can just be yourself with. And, you know, I have a friend in California I haven't been able to see this year, but I know that when we see each other again, we would just click right back into that real friendship where I don't have to be anybody but Debbie. We can laugh, we can cry, we can be real. And then there's eros, which is romantic love or erotic love, and it's intended for marriage. It mirrors passionate, intimate love that Christ has for his bride, the church. And it's the nearest hint we have to the most exciting, passionate love that we're going to experience when we're in heaven together. It's why marriage between a man and a woman is sacred in the scriptures. It points to something divine. And you know, when this love is distorted, when it turns into lust, it damages and hurts people. Now, all these loves are God-given. They're wonderful. But there is a most important love that I'm going to um, dwell on uh, during this talk. And it's agape love. It's God's unconditional, poured out, sacrificial love. This love isn't a feeling. This love isn't sentimental. It's not the kind of love that you just fall into. It's not the kind of love that, um, that you just sort of you know, feel and, and, and go along with. It's, it's actually a love that involves decision. It involves choice. It involves intention. And it's for everyone. This kind of love cannot be distorted. You can have as much as you want, and it's unending. It's God's unending love for you, but also you can give it away, and it never runs out. This kind of love you put into action, and Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He describes it as being patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in truth, and it always protects, always trusts and hopes, and always perseveres, and it never fails. This is the kind of love that considers and thinks about before it reacts, before it snaps at another person. It's humble, it admits failure. It chooses to trust and hope even when you're betrayed. You know, a relationship may start out fueled by storge love, you know, protective love, or phileo love, which is friendship love, or eros love, romantic love, but it's agape love that commits. It's agape love that serves selflessly, taking that relationship into a lasting, deeper level. So what does this agape love look like? Well, if you want to see this love, you can go no better place than to look at the person of Jesus. He is the most inspiring example of agape love. And today I want to look at a really poignant, important place in the life of Jesus when we see the evidences of this love in full flow. And we find it in John chapter 19, um, verses 25 to 27. Now, at this point in time, Jesus has been betrayed. He's been His head is covered in thorns digging into him. His hands and feet have been pierced with large nails. And he's hanging on the cross, pushing against his feet, holding himself up in order to breathe. Because if he lets go, his lungs will collapse and he will stop breathing. And you could say that this is the worst time, the most arid, the most difficult time of his life. And yet on the cross, he's there and he speaks as John the disciple writes in John chapter 19. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. 
When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So there he is on the cross in the midst of this excruciating suffering pain. And he sees his mother there. He sees his mother and the disciple whom he loved. And in that moment, he says, woman, here is your son. And to John, here is your mother. And I want to just um, focus in on a few things that I see in this agape love in this moment. The first thing is, is that rooted love serves your own family. Whilst in pain, in the midst of this most important, significant moment in the whole of history, Jesus sees his mum. There's nothing that she can do for him right now. She's needy and she's helpless. And from the cross, he sees Mary and he supports her emotionally and provides for her physically. Some of you may not be blessed with family. You may be separated from them. You may have even lost touch. Maybe you feel your family no longer serves your needs. Uh, your parents may have grown elderly or your children have left home. But the Bible is very clear on caring for your family beyond when they're useful. Exodus chapter 20, where it lists the commands from God. In verse 12, it says, honor your mother and father. In 1 Timothy 5.8, it says, if anyone doesn't provide for their family, he's denying his faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I know many of you here in the church, I have witnessed serving and taking care of maybe a sick um, husband or wife or an elderly parent. I think of someone like Tina nursing Doug till the very end, or Lizzie Lacey uh, with John in her bedroom in those last hours, just looking after him, tending to his every need. You know, being rooted in agape love has helped us take care of those who are in need. Rooted in love also serves other believers like family. Now this is fascinating. Notice that Jesus doesn't entrust his mother to his own human family. He entrusts us to John, his spiritual son, her spiritual son. You see, at that time, his own half-brothers and sisters didn't believe in who Jesus was. That happened after the resurrection. But right there at the cross, Jesus and uh, John and Mary knew the truth about Jesus. And so he affirms the bond between them that is stronger than the blood of a family. Now, you'll see a picture of Shino and Shania who prayed as we went into worship. Shino and Shania were um, converted from a Muslim background. They're Somalians. And at the time, Shania gave her life to Jesus first. And I remember interviewing her on this stage here at Trent Vineyard. And we were asking them questions about their journey as they came into faith and the story of how they've led hundreds of Somalians uh, to faith in Jesus Christ. Hundreds of Muslims across the country and the world. And at the time, Shania described how her own mother rejected her and actually um, spoke to Shino and said, you need to get rid of her. You know, there were terrible implications to what she was saying, at the least of it to just get rid of her and divorce her. And I remember Shania in that moment, she, she grabbed my arm and she said, you are my mother, she said, you are my mother. And I felt the power of what she said. You're my mother and you, she looked out over the church, are my spiritual brothers and sisters. You see, in the church, we are family. And Jesus paid for us with his blood as he hung there suffering. He paid for the bride that he loves, his children. 
And right now, vulnerable, unable to worship together, he's asking us to love each other, to serve each other, to look out for one another, to commit to one another more than ever, more than blood, more than our own blood families. And then finally, rooted in love, reaches out to serve other people, even when our own needs are not met. We see this in Jesus. His needs are not being met. He is literally being mocked and, uh, and, and punished for something that he did not do. And you know, this love is there when patience runs out, when there's no gain, when, when it hurts to keep loving. In the death and suffering of Jesus, it is the greatest act of agape love. He gives it even while we don't care for it. It tells us in Romans 5, verse 8, but God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, if you don't know this love, if you don't know Jesus, I would encourage you to accept him, accept his love, accept what he did on the cross for you as he made a way for you to come into contact with God's agape love. You know, when you know God in this way, you become rooted, rooted in agape love. And so how can we root in even more? Well, ask God, ask him, ask him to help you root in. Spend time with him daily, walk with him, uh, dwell on his goodness, his wonderful, um, you know, I, I look up at the stars at night or I, I look at a little leaf in the day, it may be some little thing, something microscopically small, but we look into these things and we see the wonder of God's creation, we wonder about who he is. Dwell in that place. I'm in the Song of Songs at the moment in the version of the scriptures called The Passion. And there is in, in, in just verse 2 of the opening chapters, it says, let him smother me with kisses. Now that's quite an easy thing for me to picture as a woman. Um, but I find it so beautiful to sit in the presence of God and just let him smother me with kisses. We can sing. On our own, we can sing. We may not be able to sing together, but we can sing. We can listen to worship songs. So intimate. We can be with the Lord. We can talk to him. Tell him everything that you're concerned about. Read the scriptures. Study. Uh, find out who God is. The more you study him, the more you see what he's like, the more you realize, the more this love is nurtured in your heart. And then connect with other believers. Reach out to others. But you know, one of the best ways to root in is to show it, to demonstrate it, to serve others. Like I said at the beginning of the story, Jesus was speaking to me and he said, you know, serve others and that roots you in to my love. That's how we can love like Jesus loves. Now, you'll see a picture here of, of um, uh, Albrecht Dürer's famous painting of praying hands. And there's an incredible story behind um, this, these praying hands of an act of sacrificial service. Basically, Dürer was training as an artist, and he lived with a, a fellow student. And the fellow student could see how much more talented than he was, was Dürer. Dürer was such a talented student. But they couldn't pay their fees. They didn't have enough money. And so um, the student friend says to Dürer, I'm going to take a manual job. And he takes a job, and he pays for their uh, student fees, pays for Dürer to complete his studies. And at the end of the studies, Dura paints a beautiful picture. He sells it for a lot of money. He comes home and he says, you can go back to your studies. I can pay for us to live. You can go back to painting now. But sadly, the friend had to say to him, the manual labor that he had taken was so um, uh, uh, rough on his hands that, that actually it meant he couldn't hold a paintbrush anymore. 
And so he'd given up his ability to paint in order for Jura to paint. And one day Jura comes home and he sees his friend praying, the rugged hands of his friend praying, and he paints this picture of the praying hands. A story of sacrificial love. You know, these acts don't just show love to those who we can benefit from, but it shows love to those who have hurt us, to those who annoy us, to those who may even be an enemy. Who, God, who may God be showing you to serve? You know, you might want to cook for them or maybe clear up some autumn leaves or just send thank you notes. Maybe, you know, uh, buy toiletries and bring them into Trent Compassion for those who are going hungry. You might offer to volunteer for something or just pray for others. Serving others roots you into God's agape love. And agape love is unending. In my experience, the more you give, the more you get. Even when you serve someone who annoys you, who hurts you, who betrays you. And I'm going to end with this story from Watchman Nee, a famous evangelist to China, several, uh, well, tens of years ago. And um, he tells the story of a Christian farmer who is farming a paddy field, growing rice, and he has a field on the mountain. And he waters it every day, but when he comes back the next day, he finds the field is dry. And what's been happening is that his neighbor, who lives uh, further down the mountain, has been opening the floodgates of his field and watering his own with his water. And so this goes on day after day, and his, his field is in danger of dying off. And he goes to his Christian brothers and sisters, and they pray, and they ask the Lord to help them. And uh, the Christian farmer comes back with an idea. He, he, opens, he waters his field and opens the floodgates himself. He allows the field to drain into his neighbors, and then he closes the gates and waters his own. And he does that day after day. Eventually, the farmers become friends, and the non-Christian farmer gives his life to Jesus. A wonderful story of sacrificial love. So ask God to help you root into this love. Love that serves your family. Love that serves your spiritual family, the church. Love that serves others, including those who annoy you, even your enemies.